I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to Life-Changing Wellness, episode number 74. Today, we talk about releasing anger and resentment for better health. Get ready for a life-changing episode that will bring peace to your body, your mind, and your spirit. This is Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. Life-Changing Wellness. Here's Dr. Ward Bond. Well, welcome everyone. Uh, we've got a great program for you today. Just stay tuned because we're going to help you out in, in ways that you've never thought possible. But before we begin, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today. Rate and review the show for me. And I want to thank you ahead of time for making our show great. And I encourage you to look up my show page on RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. Well, my guest today is Joelle Malm, a counselor, a communicator, and founder of of Summit Leaders as he uses outdoor adventure and personal coaching to help people find their calling and pursue a vision for their lives. His expeditions have taken him around the world to places like Mount Kilimanjaro, the Grand Canyon, to Machu Picchu. He has traveled in over 70 countries on six continents and speaks three languages. He holds a BA in political science, an MS in counseling, and he and his family currently live in Texas, which is where I'm currently living as well, and his books, Vision Map, published by Moody Press, and Fully You, which we are discussing about today, are available on Amazon. So let's get rid of the anger and the resentment that is weighing us down. So to help us do that, let's welcome our guest, Joel Malm. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, I have to say that I read your book, Fully You, from cover to cover, um, it was a great reminder for me, but I can tell that your book is setting people free from anger, resentment. Even you covered an important chapter in that book on forgiveness. And uh, so let's kick off with anger here because it seems to be a national pastime at the moment in our society. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you have a really unique take on anger in your book. Can you briefly explain where anger comes from? Yeah, so I do I do look at anger as a gift, interestingly enough, when it's when it's used correctly. Uh so anger anger is always a secondary emotion, which was a real revelation to me. Anger is always a response to something right before it. Now, I know I like for guys, we think kind of anger is a primary emotion. Like, yeah, I'm either happy or I'm angry. But Anger is always a secondary emotion. And what it is, is it always comes from a threat to one of our three basic needs. So we've all got three basic needs. We all need safety, or you could call it security. Uh, we all need connection with others. We need to be in relationship. We need to get esteem and value from others. And then we all need empowerment. And we're always looking for those things. Like from a very early age, you know, as a child, you need all of those and your parents have to give it to you. The challenge we face is, We've all got experiences. We've lived enough, got enough bumps and bruises that we didn't get those needs met at some point. So what happens is we begin to develop these responses, and, and anger is the response to try and regain control. So when, when we feel threatened, uh, you know, in the area of maybe safety, maybe growing up, you, you didn't feel safe. I was talking to a girl the other day, and she told me even at, even at age four, she, she felt like something, there was going to be financial disaster in her family. So she was literally saving her allowance in case her family needed help bailing them out. So, you know, these kind of traumatic things happen sometimes. And sometimes the important thing is it's not what happened to you, really. It's how you've interpreted what has happened to you. 
So you may look at your life and say, well, I didn't have a whole lot of bad things happen. Right. But if you've interpreted a lack of safety or a lack of connection or a lack of empowerment in some way, then you're going to respond, right? And you're going to be super sensitive to that. We, we all make this inner vow when we don't get what we need and we say, nobody's ever going to do that to me again, right? So anything oh, yeah. that threatens that, a threat to your basic need of safety, connection, or empowerment results in anger. And and a lot of times it comes with it, the emotion of that. So when we, when we don't get the safety we need, we feel it as, as abandonment. And when we don't get connection, we, we tend to feel it as rejection. And then when we don't get empowerment, we, we tend to feel it uh, like as, as a humiliation or embarrassment. So for example, for me, that's my particular hot button. So I say that there's three anger types, right? There's there's safe or security-based anger, connection-based anger, or control-based anger. And you can count on this. You can hang your hat on it. Anytime you're angry, it's because you feel a threat to one of those three basic needs. Well, let me ask you this. Um, when it comes to anger, I know anger is just really the outward emotion based on something deeper, like the three things that you mentioned. Um, what about people who are, and this, this is millions of people in this country, if they want to confess to it or not, insecurity is huge. Um, and frustration, uh, irritability, you know, a lot of, especially, I guess guys more so than women, because we, we notice these things and a lot of times we're not going to confess to them because, you know, we're supposed to be macho and we're prideful. Um, but doesn't, can't anger come out from us being insecure? Um, you know, you mentioned embarrassment, you know, I find, you know, um, you know, insecurity used to be a really big problem for me. Um, I'm not going to say that it's a hundred percent gone, but, uh, you know, we're always having little insecurities here and there. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I had an anger problem for 20 years, uh, and I haven't had one in the last 10. Oh, sure. You know, you may have an, a little outburst here and there, but to me, you know, you know what it's about. You, you know, you know, I've spent so much time reading books like yours, which ladies and gentlemen, you need to get full of you because it is a huge eye opener and a huge help, especially if you're dealing with anger and resentment issues. But it's just, uh, you know. You know, how when you counsel people, Joel, I mean, what are the are, is it the big three that you mentioned? Is that seems to be the big foundation for most of these anger issues? Well, absolutely. So you mentioned insecurity. And um, I mean, insecurity, if you look at, for example, the Bible, kind of the classic story of Adam and Eve, which is, yeah. uh, you know, people have different takes on where that what that what that whole story is about. But the bottom line is, the first time we see insecurity is when Adam and Eve realized that they did what they weren't supposed to do. And as soon as they did, they both looked down and they're like, oh man, we're naked, right? So it says they were, they were naked and they felt vulnerable. And that's really what insecurity is. It's feeling vulnerable. Like somebody could, could reveal, like show your nakedness to the world. So what we do is we respond, right? Um, it's interesting as well in that story. You see that anger first appears in that story in, in Genesis right after they make they eat the forbidden fruit you see that their son Cain has a real problem with anger so anger shows up immediately when you start feeling vulnerable as soon as we have this vulnerable insecure feeling we respond with anger and it's an attempt to regain control of the situation uh it's interesting the chinese word for anger is is actually a, it's a powerful useful force right so anger in itself isn't bad or good it's just an attempt to to protect yourself from 
that feeling of vulnerability, that feeling of insecurity. And, and Paul Tournier, he was a famous Swiss psychiatrist, he said that everybody is desperately insecure. We just cover it in one of two ways. He book, wrote a book called The Strong and the Weak. And so there's strong responders who, they're the bullies. We know those people, right? They bully you. Yeah. They've got, maybe got a boss that just pushes you around, bullies you, belittles you. Uh, but then other people show their, inse- and that's all an attempt to cover their insecurity. But then other people cover their insecurity by being passive, people-pleasing, never trying to make waves, thinking, if I don't ever make waves or don't stand up to my boss, uh, he'll never reveal that I feel vulnerable and insecure. And we've all got this feeling of insecurity. And so that's why anger can look really different for some people. In fact, we found uh, from the research that people that find themselves in the corner where they fear rejection, they actually don't like to use the word anger, right? They prefer to call it frustration. (laughs) <laughs> because they've seen what anger can do to relationships. So they don't yeah. say, oh, I, I talk to people all the time. Like, I don't really get angry. I say, well, do you get frustrated? Oh, yeah, I get frustrated. It's the same thing. It's feeling vulnerable and not liking that feeling. So we just respond, right? And whether you call it frustration or anger, it's all the same thing, and it's all got the same root. It's that deep feeling that we're going to be vulnerable, and something we need is not going to be given to us in the area of safety, connection, or empowerment. Yeah, see, one of the things that... Um... I thought was so profound in your book and, uh, and we'll just touch lightly on this when when you were talking about when Adam and Eve realized that they were naked, but you kind of flipped it to where the word naked was really guilt and shame. And in mm-hmm. a way we feel those things that when we know we've done something wrong and, and then when, if anger comes out of that, we're really angry at ourselves, but we have the tendency to lash out at those closest around us. Not that we're blaming anybody. We're really mad at ourselves. And uh, in, mm-hmm. your counts- in your counseling with, with so many people, when it comes to anger, how important it is for us to, to finally forgive ourselves? Yeah, so science and, and, and medicine, I mean, you're familiar with this. They're beginning to show increasingly the detrimental physical health effects that holding on to anger, resentment, and unforgiveness can actually have on you. So, you know, we all say, well, you should forgive and forget and all that stuff. And we can talk about some of those myths of that, like forgive and forget. That's kind of a myth, but yeah. uh, you can't actually forgive and forget. But but it's really important because I, I talked to people, I was just talking to a guy the other day. He was helping me um, produce something I was working on. And after I talked about anger, he pulled me aside and he said, you know, for years I had health problems that nobody could nail down. He said, I had headaches. I had like joint issues. And he said, finally, one day I was, I was, he's actually talking to his pastor and the pastor said, do you have anything in your past that you've been holding on to? And he told me this gut wrenching story about how his sister and father had been shot at point blank range. And he, this guy had been thrown in prison and he got let loose. And he's telling me the story. And he said, but you know, when I finally told the story and I finally confessed how angry I was at this guy, he said, the pastor walked him through this process. And he said, literally overnight, my symptoms went away. He said, I was able to sleep. My blood pressure went down. He said, stuff I'd been struggling with for years. He said he had struggled with uh, depression a little bit too. He said, literally overnight, it all went away. And it's just, it's a fascinating thing because man, all of life is connected, right? And in terms of health, I mean, if if for no other reason, for no other reason than than your physical health, you got to learn to manage the anger and use it correctly and then forgive, right? So anger, if you use it correctly, what you're using it to do is point to areas of your life where you haven't released it and you've got to release it. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, is there's a strong connection and ladies and gentlemen, you, this is undeniable. 
there's a strong connection with our emotional state, our reaction state, and our physical state. And like Joel just mentioned, you know, if you're holding in anger, maybe you're a, a, a kettle with a lid on it, and that can be very, very dangerous. But, you know, bitterness goes to the very marrow of our bones. Uh, a lot of people with liver problems, uh, there's an emotional state uh, with that. It's, uh, if you study uh, Chinese medicine long enough, you understand that there's a huge relationship between uh, the mind and the body and in the way that we act and react. Uh, Joel, what is the connection between anger and resentment? Well, so the word resentment is pretty interesting. The Latin-based word that is from sentir. So like in French and in Spanish, sentir means to feel. So when you resent, resent, you, you feel it over and over and over again. And when you feel that pain of what was done to you over and over again, again, it's a, it, you feel the threat, you feel that you were threatened, you felt vulnerable, and it just brings that memory back up again. So when you don't deal with the anger that's pointing to that hot button in your air, in your life, so you've got either the safety-based anger or the connection-based anger or the control-based anger, when you don't deal with that and you just stew on it or you sit there, what, what you're essentially doing is every time somebody does something to you again, in that same area where you're sensitive, it just builds. And it's like a volcano, man. It's just slowly but surely building, building, building. And it's going, it can literally destroy you. I I hear so many stories. The more I talk about this around the country, so many people tell me stories about how they did not realize how much unforgiveness was just destroying them. And it's that resenting, refeeling. In in counseling psychology, we call it ruminating. Ruminating, you've maybe heard of the ruminant animals. They're animals oh, that have yeah. multiple stomachs, and they swallow something, chew on it a little bit, and heave it back up and chew on it some more. Uh, it's what cows do. Sheep do that. That's why you always see cows. They're always chewing on something. Kind of disgusting to think about, but essentially, that's what happens when we, when we, when we go with resentment, when we, when we live with resentment. We're, we're chewing on that same thing that person did to us, that uncle who did that thing, or that father of yours, or that boss. You're just chewing on it and chewing on it and chewing on it, and it's building. Well, first of all, anytime you get angry, uh, your levels surge within your body, right? So, I mean, they show this. Your heart rate surges. You go into that fight or flight mode, and when you get in fight or flight mode, you've got cortisol running through your body. We're not meant to live in a perpetual state of that, and that's why I think we're seeing so much depression and, and frustration in our country. I mean, sickness right now because, man, we got a lot of people. We see a lot of bad news. We hear a lot of bad news and a lot of angry people. You got cortisol pumping through your body all the time. You're not meant to live in this adrenaline-ridden state, and it's just wearing us down. It's getting us depressed, tired, sick. But that's the connection: is is we're feeling those same things over and over again. Instead of releasing them, we chew on it, maybe swallow it a little bit, think we let it go, and then bring it back up. And that's why it has to be let go. We've got to release it. Well, let's let's move into a probably one of the most important parts of your book, fully you Uh, in your book. You mentioned several studies that show a connection between physical and mental well-being and the decision to forgive. Now, I want to kind of step back here and go back to something that you had said, and I read this in your book, that, you know, to forgive and to forget is really a myth. Now, forgiveness is true. It's the forgetting part that people misconstrue so many times Mm -hmm. and feel that when the memory of the offense comes back, it's almost like they feel like 
they haven't really for, uh, released it. Can you kind of walk us through that and give us truth in that area? Absolutely. This set me free when I found out this, when I just learned this truth. First of all, your brain is too powerful to just forget. In fact, if you have truly forgotten something, it's probably a trauma response to something horribly traumatic. But your brain's too, too, too strong. So forgiveness, is, it's just a choice. It's a decision. And you say, no, I, I forgave and I'm choosing to forgive. And then when it comes back up, you say, no, I chose, I choose to remember with forgiveness. So we don't forgive and forget. We forgive and choose to remember with forgiveness. And the reason it comes back up is because grieving is more like a spiral than a straight line. You've probably heard, um, you know, the stages of grief, uh, there's, you know, denial and anger. And, and so we think it's linear because there's stages, but anytime someone's hurt us or taken some us, something from us or abused us or we've been hurt in some way, we have to grieve it. And that's what part of forgiveness is, is grieving it. And grief works like a spiral. So what happens is uh, the, the spiral will always come back around. So it may happen that a week, a month, a year from the time that the thing happened to you, like you wake up and you're just flooded with emotions of anger and frustration and hurt over what happened to you and maybe what was taken from you. But that doesn't mean you haven't forgiven if you've made the decision, right? It just means you're still in the process of grief. And sometimes it can be five years, 10 years from now. Uh, if you've ever lost a loved one, you've probably felt that, that what grief is like. It, just, it floods back over you and you say, man, what's wrong with me? I should be over this by now. But grief's always a spiral. So you don't need to feel guilty or bad when the thought comes back up. When that grief can't, comes back up of what was taken from you, you just stop and say, no, 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 no. I just yeah, forgive yeah, that yeah. person. It was my decision. Exactly. And, and and I want everybody to listen to what Joel is saying. You have to understand our brain is a very powerful organ. It's a it's a memory bank. And just because we in we, forgiveness is a choice. And when we choose to forgive, we are setting ourselves free. We're not technically letting that other person scot free, but we are, you know, freeing ourselves, which is far more important. You know, and a lot of times forgiveness, a lot of people believe that forgiveness is a well because somebody did something bad to me. Sometimes I find that we need to forgive uh, people who have failed to do what they were supposed to do in the first place. And I have found this in my own life. Sure. There are people that hurt me. Uh, I mean, it, you know, being stabbed in the back, but at the same time, you have to sit there. Like you said, Joel, you know, you know, we do have to go through that process of reliving it. And a lot of people don't want to relive their hurt, but the true, truest way of healing is to sometimes sit there to me in solitude or maybe with someone, maybe, with a, a good counselor or a very close friend and let it all out, get it out of you. Talk about it. Don't bury it in your memory bank somewhere. Cause it's going to come back. You know, I've, you know, sometimes, like you said, I, I wake up in the morning and I'm thinking, why in the world am I thinking? Why is that in my head? Why am I even thinking about that? And sometimes mm -hmm. I have to tell myself, not today, Satan, I don't have time for this. I've already forgiven that person and I've moved on. And, you know, but we're all human. That's very difficult to do. So like you said, it's, it's really a daily process for a lot of us. Absolutely. I mean, and that's a great thing is you don't have to feel guilty if it comes back. You, you say, I forgave, but it came back up. You don't have to feel guilty. Like, the, you know, that's one of the things I love it. It says, if, if anyone's in Christ, uh, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And that's where I love her. It's like, yeah, you know, maybe you say I'm a Christian, but why do I still feel these like memories of these things that happened to me? Uh, hey, there's no condemnation because the memory came up. You just have to remember, no, I chose 
to forgive. And, and I think it was a huge point you made right there. A lot of people say, but I'm letting him off the hook if I forgive. I'm saying, no, no, what you're doing is you're opening the prison doors and realizing you were the one in prison. That's and right. <laughs> you may never get a confession. You may never get a confession from the person that conf- that, that hurt you. And here's the thing, man. If, if, if it's somebody that got away with a violent crime or maybe it's somebody who's still very violent, it's not safe to seek a confession. But the great news is it doesn't depend on them. It's all in your court. The ball is in your court. You can literally, like right now, wherever you're driving or sitting or listening to this, you can say, nope, I, this has controlled me enough. The effects of this have controlled me enough. I'm not going to give them any more headspace. I'm not going to give them any more emotional space. I'm choosing to forgive because this is a good decision for me. Exactly. And you're the other, and the other, the other side of that is a lot of times the other person that offended us, they either know they did. And many times they don't know they did. They don't realize that Mm -hmm. we've trapped ourselves in our own personal prison of unforgiveness. They've moved on with their life. They don't have a clue that, you know, we've been dealing with this. Not that we need to go to them and tell them, hey, you you know, you made me feel bad for the last five years. And they're going to look at you like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But like you said, we create our own cage. I mean, my gosh, if, if, you know, I had to come to terms to realize that, you know what, so-and-so is never going to come to me. They're never going to apologize, you know. Um, and look, there are people sitting on death row that still think they're innocent, and they're never going to apologize for the offenses they created that got them there in the first place. So why should we even look at mm-hmm. other people expecting an apology? You know, we need to forgive and uh, and move forward. And if that memory pops up in, in our head, we need to deal deal with it and realize, hey, look, like you said, Joel, uh, I have chose to forgive and I'm moving forward. And eventually, like you said, that spiral, it just gets wider and wider. And eventually over time, you know, we're not going to think about it anymore or it becomes so deep into the past. You know, it just doesn't pop up in our memory bank. Or you remember with peace, which is the ideal is I've had people that have hurt me, you know, and I'm and it's years later, but I'm finally looking back to the point where I look back and I say, you know what? It was horrible what they did to me, but some good has come of it. A lot of times we just need to reframe it. We need to start looking for the good that could come. And you say, man, how could any good come of what what was done to me? Um, But reframing is so important in that, in that context, because uh, listen, there's, there's always, you know, I mean, as, as a Christian, I believe that God works all things together for good. I mean, that means everything. He can turn it for good in some way. So if you can reframe it and start to say, you know what, part of the reason I am today what I am, maybe some, I'm strong, or part of the reason I'm able to help others who are going through the same thing, right? Maybe I'm a victim of sexual abuse, but I'm able to, I can speak with, with experience on what it's like going through that. And, and that's the, man, that can be the gift of forgiveness that you give to others is, man, I forgave, and let me help you walk through this because I know exactly what it's like. And that, that's, you know... Uh, Frankel, Victor Frankel once said, in some way, suffering ceases to be suffering the moment it finds its meaning. And I just think that's the case so many times for us is as soon as we, we st- you start to take your pain, your suffering, you, you forgive and you turn it around and start to use it to help others who are going through the same, all of a sudden you find meaning, you find purpose. And you look back at that thing and say, man, it was, it was horrible what happened to me. But, but look at the good that I'm going to choose to make out of this. And that's when, that's when meaning and purpose start to come into your life. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, I hate to say it, sometimes we find, we find our calling based on the test that has now become our testimony. I mean, you know, when you read the story of Corey Tim Boone, who, whose whole family 
was killed by the Nazis in the concentration camp. She was the only one that survived. But years later, mm -hmm. she literally met the man who sent her family to their deaths, met him face to face, and she forgave him. And and her it's legacy amazing. still... I, I, Nelson oh, yeah. Mandela, same thing. Same thing. 27 years in prison, you know, and uh, and chose to, to rise above, you know, those lost years and not only became a, you know, an icon of peace for many people, uh, but left a legacy at the same time. And, you know, we, you know, life can be cruel, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, we have a choice to either live in our own prison that we've created with our minds. And a lot of time, Joel, would you agree with that? With a lot of times we literally create our own cage, our own prison with our mind. And we need to, to move forward with, with our own words and say, I forgive so-and-so for what they did. And I'm laying it aside and I'm moving forward with a new life. Like you said, so many people, they find out that a lot of their health problems are based on things that they're holding inside resentment and anger uh, due to past hurts. Absolutely. And I mean, here's the thing about it. I, like, I talk to people all the time and I hear their horror stories and I say, man, I am so sorry that happened to you. Like it is terrible. No human should have to go through what you went through. But here's the thing. You've got the decision right now in your power to, to break free from this. You don't have to be identified by that past thing that happened to you. And that's the worst part about it is when we start to identify ourselves by the thing that happened to us. When we start to see the whole world through the frame of that and man, you can, the world can open up for you and depression can lift if you just, if you just, it literally is a mental thing. So much power in the mind. It's an amazing thing. You say, no, I'm done with this. I'm not going to let this rule me, control me. Uh, the, the, and again, I hear this so many times from people. They say, when I chose to forgive, I've been going to the doctor for years and they say, we cannot find anything physically wrong with you. We know you're you know, struggling with this, your digestion's off, your heart rate, this and that. They, they forgive. And I hear testimony after testimony as I talk around the country about this, that people just say all of a sudden that one mental decision to forgive. I didn't, I didn't even have to, some of, you know, a lot of times, sometimes well, I'll do it when I feel right. Listen, the feeling's probably never going to come because something right. bad happened to you, right? But you do it in spite of what you feel and the feelings will follow the action. I, I promise you that the feelings will follow the action if you do it right and choose to forgive. Well, Joel, I could talk to you all day on this subject. I love it. I need to have you back. We got to do this again. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, ch uh, check out Joel Malm. That's J-O-E-L-M-A-L-M. -E and download his book. Buy his book, Fully You. Believe me, everything that we have talked about, there is. it's in the book. There's more to read in that book. It's a very easy book to read and to understand. He tells stories that we can all relate to. Again, uh, buy the book. I've already read it from cover to cover. It was a great reminder to me, a great refresher for me. We are designed to live in peace, uh, but it's a choice, ladies and gentlemen. It's our choice. So for a lot of you who are listening to this program today, it's time to unlock your own cage and unlock your own prison cell. It's time to walk out, forgive, lay aside the anger, understand what anger is, read the book. Uh, again, this is truly a life-changing episode. And Joel, thank you so much for being a guest today. Thank you for having me. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, remember to catch every episode of Life Changing Wellness. Just hit subscribe on iTunes or on my show page at radiomd.com slash Dr. Bond. And if I can ask you a favor, please take 30 seconds, rate the show on iTunes. Thank you for doing that for me as we want to bring you the best show possible. And now you can download our show on Spotify. Just look up Dr. Bond's Life Changing Wellness. You can learn more about me at drwardbond.com. And again, thank you for listening to Life Changing Wellness. And remember, something spectacular happens when you treat your body right. Have a blessed day, everyone.